Georgia beat the crap out of Florida yesterday. You know what this? You know what this was? This is now officially the Georgia Florida game. This is not the Florida Georgia game. There this we is go. the Georgia Florida game. And there you have it. Will's transformation is almost fully complete with him correctly referring to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party as the Georgia-Florida game instead of Florida-Georgia, which is how he's always referred to it. I'd like to thank a lot of you, our loyal podcast listeners, for calling Will out over Twitter the past couple days after you heard him refer to it as Florida-Georgia a couple times on our preview podcast. As for the actual game, 42-7 was the score on Saturday. and I mean, you saw it. You and I both know it wasn't even really that close. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 111 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Now, this is a very short postgame show. Its original runtime was about 20 minutes, but I had to cut it down to about eight minutes or so because of our audio quality. Will, he was in Houston. I was calling in from my phone while in the car, and Tony, let's just say Tony must have been on one of his old flip phones from the 90s because I really couldn't understand what he was saying throughout the recording. So it'll be a lot of Will, some of me, and a courtesy soundbite or two from Tony. So let's just jump on into it. Here's Will. And oh, wait a minute. Before we start, make sure to listen all the way to the end for a very special bonus segment. Now I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> now we can get started. Here's Will. Gentlemen, 42 to 7. I was in Houston watching it at the very welcoming and accommodating Houston Alumni Association. There was much excitement for five minutes, and then everybody kind of carried on conversations for the next three hours, would be the accurate statement. Was it a big party over there for the for, yeah, being there, having gone through losses in the past, having this thing essentially be over in the first five minutes? Uh, what was it like to be there, Tony? Well, on the Georgia sideline, it was awesome. The Florida fans, was half empty, half time. You know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. This was sober so quickly. <laughs> it was, it was funny. It almost, it's, it's weird how we've all kind of gotten to the point of, well, you know, after they stormed out for the 21 to nothing lead, they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. <laughs> it's weird how you find yourself nitpicking for problems. Obviously things are falling apart for Florida right now. And I feel like that has to be accounted for, but come on guys. I mean, catharically speaking, that game two years ago was essentially the beginning of the end of every uh, of Rick and kind of the pivot to everything. Just emotionally speaking, it was a little surprising because you know this is the Florida game. This is the one you want to destroy them. This is the one you want to kill them. And it almost it, it was it was exciting, but it almost felt like yeah, good. This is out of the way. Now we've got bigger fish to fry. Well, I thought it was exciting because of the big plays. What we've gotten used to is grinded out maybe an 11-play drive, take eight minutes off the clock with our run game. Well, we, we did it with our run game. It's just that it came at like a 73-yard clip, a 43-yard clip, and then even Holyfield jumps in there with like a 40-yard run in the fourth quarter. So, I don't know. I go back to our preview podcast, and I talk about how many times I've been down there and so disappointed, and I just found myself saying, like, why couldn't I have just picked – this year to go instead of 2014. So I, I see it completely <laughs> the contrary to how you were describing it, Will, because I was excited the entire game, and I'm still excited about putting a 42-7 to seven victory. And, yeah, you know, the seven that sucked, but, uh, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and take that and uh, maybe uh, claim Jim McElwain's job with this, <laughs> with this game as well. You know, I thought Seth Emerson wrote a very smart piece uh, for Dog Nation and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
uh, this morning <laughs> where he talked about how what Kirby has done this year and what Georgia has done this year has basically thrown the entire SEC into like into kind of what Saban did in the SEC West. Saban had, not to get the Alabama thing again, but Saban got so good and got Alabama so good that everybody over there was like, uh-oh, we better really get with the program or this guy's going to lap us. And it's amazing to think one year ago, not only did Georgia lose to Florida, Georgia mostly looked kind of like that game was never really very close. It never looked like they were going to win that game. Two years ago was the real killer when they lost to, lost to Florida. But last year was almost... It was almost like, yeah, we were probably going to lose that game. Yeah, we got all sorts of problems. To see the difference in programs between last year and this year, like it was just a year ago. And these are still the same coaches. Obviously, there's some different things, but it's not like, you know, Georgia has uh, a little alien beings uh, they have a beamed in indestructible pe- people to come in and play positions. These are still the same coaches. They're still the same staffs. All of a sudden, the gap between last year is now so dramatic that almost everybody else in the SEC East, other than Muschamp, is going to get fired in the offseason uh, because of what Kirby and George is doing. To me, that's the thing with this. It's not. Remember, we spent most of the time this year going, Okay, coming into this year, this is all set up for Georgia to win the SEC East. We can't blow this. This is the year it's going to happen. We've gone from that to, geez, there is nobody in this division within 25 points of them to wiping out Florida and having it feel like you can name the score and wipe them out to the point where the second half is just kind of relaxing and everyone having a good time. That's a pretty dramatic shift in a pretty short amount of time. Not only is Georgia dominating, you know, like you said, at 25 points a clip in an SEC game, but they're raking in their third straight five-star quarterback. They've got two five-star running backs committed already because, and it's almost like they're just going to plug and play the fact that Chubb and Michelle are going to be gone. And then you're going to have a backfield of Zamir White, Cook, the two uh, newcomers. And then with Holyfield, who, by the way, is my favorite runner uh, whenever he gets the ball, Harrion, and then um, Swift. That's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Like, you know, we've always talked about how crazy expectations are in the SEC and how demanding fans are. I can't think of anything more demanding than the idea that Florida has won two consecutive SEC East championships. Like, they've won two in a row. They've been in the SEC championship game, which is supposedly the goal. And not only now are they so, are they so angry at the coach they want to fire him, they are actually, listen, he seems to have made up the death threats thing. He seems to. He doesn't seem to have any proof of it anyway. He may have gotten out a little ahead of his skis a little bit and said something he probably shouldn't have. But, but let's not pretend that they're really going to fire him because of him saying that. They want to fire him because they, they want him gone and don't want to have to pay the buyout. They want to be fired for cause or some sort of thing. A typical kind of like a, a total cheat, basically. But think about how amazing that is that this team that's won the SEC championship for the last two years, they're willing They'll do whatever it takes to get rid of him right now. That's not something that you would have thought two weeks ago. And to me, that is that is shows, A, the crazy expectations, but B, as we talked about earlier, and as Seth Emerson talked in his piece, how much Georgia has and what they've done this year has just changed the entire game for everybody else in the conference. Well, the thing about it to me that is uh, just hard to get my head around is how much better coach Georgia is. And that, that's still probably some message of the broken uh, you know, broken fan Tony, but it is amazing to me that we look so well coached. All right. So that leads us to framework wise. 
and really everything marks down for the next three weeks now. Like there are clear, achievable things for the next three weeks. Beat South Carolina, win the SEC East. Beat Auburn, get yourself clearly in a position. I mean, you've gone undefeated in the SEC and undefeated in the regular season. Beat Georgia Tech, you are not only set to be undefeated going into in the, in the SEC championship game, but if you look at some of the stuff that's happened in other conferences, particularly the Big 12 and the Pac-12, or the Pac-10 or the Pac-18, or how many people are there now, all of a sudden, it looks like they're theoretically <laughs> speaking, maybe if Georgia and Alabama both go into the SEC championship game undefeated, maybe the loser still gets into the playoff. We'll have plenty of time to discuss that. But clearly Saturday was a good day for the if they lose if if whoever loses the SEC championship game, if they're both undefeated coming to that game, there might still be a spot for them. Now we've got plenty of time to discuss that, but that was an intriguing offshoot from yesterday. But mostly Georgia beat the crap out of Florida yesterday. You know what this you know what this was? This is now officially the Georgia Florida game. This is not the Florida Georgia game. There this we is go. the Georgia Florida <laughs> game. I finally, finally got it. Make sure we'll see what happens. So, so all right. So we'll be back uh, to preview uh, to preview South Carolina. Uh, I'm still at the World Series, but I'll be back uh, sooner rather than later. So, gents, a blowout. I mean, this is the conqueror. This is the revenge tour. This is the the the, the Shiva destroyer of worlds, uh, bringer of death. Uh, not only is Georgia <laughs> going undefeated, but they're getting everybody's coaches fired. Whether or not you want to be excited about other people's coach, other teams' coaches getting fired, it's not uh, upsetting to see them also upset. Is it? Not at all. No, no. We take pride in that. Or no. I do. <laughs> all right. Well, well, we'll be back to preview yeah, South Carolina. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll be back to South Carolina. But otherwise, gents, go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. The three of us will be in studio this week to preview the South Carolina game as the Gamecocks are set to roll into Athens this Saturday for another 3.30 CBS kickoff. And thanks to all of you who have left us podcast reviews. We will be reading some new ones and answering your questions that you've asked on our podcast reviews. On our iTunes, I mean, uh, tonight. If you haven't left us an iTunes review, that would be awesome, and it would also be awesome to get your your review read out loud and discussed on a future episode like we're going to do tonight. If you have any questions for us in general, you can hit up our show on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. And now for the bonus segment that I promised and teased at the beginning of this episode. As I mentioned, the Dogs play the Gamecocks this week, and with our recent drubbing of Florida, the combination of South Carolina and Florida churned up some memories of one particular coach with ties to both schools. That's right, two years ago, the last time the Gamecocks visited Sanford Stadium, the Dogs put a whooping on them so bad that it forced Steve Spurrier into retirement. Lucky for me, I had the opportunity to interview him shortly after the game ended. So, for your listening enjoyment, here is a replay of a blast from the past, Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast episode, short, if you want to call it that, the Steve Spurrier interview from 2015 with yours truly. Hope you enjoy. Hey there, college football fans. You are listening to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall. And today, before we start the show, I wanted to introduce a very special guest, the head ball coach himself, Steve Spurrier. Coach, Thanks for spending some time with me. I guess we'll jump right in. Last Saturday night, Georgia took y'all behind the woodshed and gave the Gamecocks an old-fashioned butt weapon in Sanford Stadium. What do you mean? <laughs> well, you were there. The dogs ran up 576 yards of offense and beat y'all 52-20. to Now, 52-20 is what we beat FSU. Coach, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but perhaps at some point you did beat FSU 52-20, to and congratulations on that. 
but I'm referring to the Georgia-South Carolina game that took place last Saturday night. Yeah, but that was 52-17, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, I'll give you half credit on your answer. Georgia scored 52, that is correct, but don't shortchange yourselves. The Gamecocks scored 20 points. A lot of people's put 52 on us lately. Right. I guess that explains your 1-2 and two record so far this year. What do you mean? Uh, coach, I shouldn't be the one to have to tell you this, but your team, the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, have only won one game. And in my humble opinion, I'm not sure it's going to get much better. Hard to imagine we beat these guys. Uh, coach, y'all lost. The dogs won. I know you hate losing to Georgia. I really do. But sometimes it's just better to open up and be honest with yourself. Level with me here. What do you think South Carolina's true issues are with not being able to win football games? Well, we got to find uh, you know some players that uh, can tackle. Hey, good start. Tackling would help because your team didn't even attempt to tackle Nick Chubb or Sonny Michelle all night long. I don't think we made any in the fourth half. Uh, fourth half? Coach, I'm sorry it sounds like I keep correcting you, but there are two halves in football and four quarters. Now, it sounds to me like you're just making stuff up like my five-year-old does. That's got to be wrong. Hey, I don't make the rules, but you know what? I'm in a good mood today, obviously. So whatever makes you happy, I'll go with. Does that sound good? Huh? Whoa. <laughs> Never mind. Changing gears here. My co-host, Tony, says y'all used to play competitive kickball in a church league down in Florida back in the 90s. What do you remember about hanging out with Tony? Uh, Well, he's been around. Perry's been around. Uh, no, his name's Tony. Tony Waller. Do you remember him? He's a buddy of mine. Oh, cool. Now we're on the same page. So what do you remember about those kickball days? Surely you and Tony were dominating the Gainesville Church Leagues, weren't you? We weren't very good. Oh, man. Sorry to keep bringing up bad memories. What do you think the issue was on why you weren't very good? Was Tony not as good as he claims to be at kickball? Things of that nature. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And I can tell you're not too keen on talking about the past right now. But Tony did show me y'all's league participation trophy for kickball, and he told me yours got broken right after the year in banquet. Unfortunately, that happens all the time. All the time? Who breaks a trophy? My kids have trophies all over the house. They're like luggage. You can't get rid of them. And mainly, they end up being used as Play-Doh molds or bookends for all their overdue library books. But we've never broken one of them before. I think you're holding back some information. Well, yeah, one of our guys gave their guy a sheriff. Mm-hmm. I see. And then did you take things a little too far, and that's what got your kickball trophy broken? Yeah, I did, actually. Steve, can I call you Steve? Steve, we all make mistakes. They got mouthy there right in the in the fourth quarter. Steve, ease up. It's cool. You probably mean the fourth inning, don't you? No, nevertheless. You know what? I think we're getting down to the real reason that your team, South Carolina, is just not very good this year. You're holding on to those painful memories when yours and Tony's kickball team was the laughing stock of the church leagues. It's okay. Here, take my son's old flag football trophy. You can pretend it's your old participation one. Does that make you feel a little bit better? All right. Hey, Time Heels, cheer up. You've got 0-3 Central Florida coming in this week to Williams-Brice Stadium. They just lost to Furman this past weekend. No pressure to beat them at home this week. National championship game. Is that what you're talking about? No. <laughs> no, Steve. But think that if it makes you feel better. Oh, gosh. Look at the time. I only have time for about one more question about the Georgia-South Carolina game this past weekend. And then I'm going to have to cut you loose if that's okay. Give me one final thought about what you're going to remember about your trip to Sanford Stadium and Georgia beating the Gamecocks by 32 points on Saturday night. We got clobbered. And? Georgia's that good? There you go. See, Steve, isn't that great? You've admitted it. You'll find that once you face your fears, you can start to rebuild. And maybe... As the year progresses. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. Maybe as the year progresses, South Carolina will win a couple more football games. What do you think? We'll try to make some changes and be competitive next week. 
Great attitude, Coach. Now get out there this week and make George O'Leary wish he'd never left Notre Dame for that Central Florida job. Oh, and I'll make sure to tell Tony you said hello. He's an excellent kicker. (laughs) Okay, random. I bet he is. I'll pass that compliment along to Tony. But I've got to run and produce this podcast. One last question. Can I count on you to listen to future episodes of Waiting Since Last Saturday? Yeah, it's a good chance. That's awesome. I appreciate it. And just so you know, I've always admired you, even though you've never coached a team I've pulled for. I suppose this will be the last time we speak on this podcast, huh? No, I hope to come back many times. You got yourself a deal. Pinky swear on it? Huh? Never mind. We're not very good right now. Save it for the film room, Coach. Sorry to cut you off, but we are way short on time. Tony, Will, and I will drop some plays and send them out to you. I think they'll help you out. I'm open to suggestions. And that'll do it for episode 111. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you on campus this weekend. As always, go dogs.